Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This is episode number 225. Uh, we are going to sit down and for a third time, we're going to chat with uh, Angus Peacock. Uh, Angus is just an incredible dude. If you missed the last two episodes, I would highly suggest going back and listening to him. The guy is just a wealth of knowledge. Um, we started off really really as an excuse for me to kind of geek out about rugby and talk to somebody who really truly understands the sport and has lived a life, uh, has basically grown up and lived the life with the sport. Um, And then from there, though, Angus just kind of opened up this jar of knowledge about all sorts of different topics. you know he's a he's a really great communicator. He's great at uh, leadership development, and recently he's kind of combined those two ideas, and he started his own podcast called Conquering Leadership. And I I've really enjoyed enjoyed it. Um, and more importantly, I just really enjoyed talking with Angus. Uh, I like picking his brain. He's a really interesting guy. Uh, he's obviously interested in a lot of the same things I am as when it comes to leadership and qualities and what does it take to lead a group of people where everybody has their own diverse needs and backgrounds and all of this, but you have to lead people and unite them and lead them in the same direction, right? In order to accomplish whatever you're trying to accomplish. And I just really think it's cool that Angus has kind of devoted his time to study these concepts. Um, He's really focused in on what makes someone a good leader, not just putting, having someone in a leadership position, because there's many, many, many people who are in a leadership position who are just not good at their jobs um (laughs) uh but angus really focuses in and dials in on the people who show these you know tremendous leadership qualities um and then we also catch up on he did a challenge recently with his sister the one million step challenge if you listen to our previous episode uh you can kind of hear the background on that um It ended up being way more than 1 million steps. (laughs) So we kind of talk about the formation of habits and having a goal, having something you're working towards every single day and how just important that is for not only physical health, but at least for me, just speaking from my own experience, having something like a big project I'm working on is huge for my mental and emotional health as well. Um, But yeah, guys, let's get into it. This is all about... A Million Steps and Conquering Leadership with Angus Peacock. All right, Angus, welcome back to the show, man. I'm super excited to talk with you. Um, The last episode, you know, kind of blew my mind and gave me a lot to think about. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that you you bring the thunder again, you know. Yeah, no, this is exciting, and, and thanks for having me back. It, it's feel like a regular. Yeah, I'm gonna have to come up with more uh, endurance events to uh, get you to keep inviting me back. Yeah, yeah. Well, the last episode we talked about this million step challenge you were doing, um, and you just informed me that literally you just had the official finish today. So, yeah. let me ask you this: I was thinking about the quote that's like. A major journey starts with a single step. So, what does the journey ending feel like? You know, it's 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 quite weird to be honest, because I never really thought about the end. I just kept thinking about just just keep ticking your targets on on a process basis. Uh, I just as a reminder, I was doing this as a support member on the team for my little sister, who's. A hundred miles over the target. No way. Yeah. So she, she, and I couldn't catch her. So if you remember back to our last episode, I was uh, started a week behind because I'd gone away on vacation, and I just couldn't catch her. And in your mind, you were probably like, "I'm going to catch her for sure." Well, it's mainly try and close the gap and yeah. and just just um, yeah, just finish together. But she just kept pushing on strong. Uh, 
and whatever her motivations were, drove her and drove her and drove her. And she's now, so I'm at over one and a half million steps and she's at over two million steps. She's nearly two and a quarter million steps right now. That's crazy. When did you guys start? Can you remind me? Uh, so she started on July 1 and I started on July 7. That's so impressive because it is uh, the last day in September. It's September 30th, just in case people listen to this in the future. Yeah. That's not a long time to do that. No. And so I'm a, um, so she's at 950 miles completed and I'm at about 810 right now. That's crazy. One you were describing before and your dog's right behind you on the zoom while you're describing like taking the dog for a walk, like, like breaking your day down so you could actually get enough steps in. Um, did you kind of follow that same routine? Like, the last yeah so i've averaged about on foot around 60 miles between 58 and 60 miles a week on foot and the dog got to a point where i'd look at her and she'd just run away she'd hide under the bed or (laughs) or or go and hide in a cupboard because she just didn't want to go out (laughs) and the, the poor dog's been dragged up some mountains and through the wilderness in in the cold like with the fall the trees changing color here yeah. Um, she's been dragged out and there's, she's been on some really hard journeys through the foothills up and down a few mountains. So the poor thing, he's just completely pushed. Um, but yeah, but to your point, having those things and, and breaking and having a routine was, was essential. Yeah. Um, without it, it wouldn't have completed. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Well, what kind of like, do you have any specific days that really stick out? Yeah, so one day I got to, I think, 34,000 steps. So we pushed ourselves to see if we get a couple of record days. Um, so I think that was, what, well, that would have been a 14, 15-mile day. Yeah. Um, and um, the, the, the daily standard we were trying to aspire to was 18,888. So we push ourselves to see if we could on, but regularly tip 20,000 a day. And then on one day, Hannah, she got to like 29. And I said, right, I'm going to see if I can get over 30. And then she got over 30. And I said, right, I'm going to try and beat that. So I got to 34,000 steps in one day. Which That's amazing. Yeah, so we sort of push each other on days. And I got to 34,000 steps in a single day, which is about 15 miles. That's impressive. How did you do that? Just kept going? Just like... Got up really early and got on the treadmill, crunched out like the days, like at least half to... So on a, on a regular basis, I crunch out at least half to two-thirds of the day's target on the treadmill first thing in the morning. Um, sometimes I'd be on the treadmill by six. Yeah. Um, so I generally have a routine where I'd wake up about quarter past five, half past five, grab some coffee, get on the treadmill. And then on this particular day, I arranged lunch with a friend downtown. So I walked there and back. Nice. Uh, so that was an eight mile round trip. Um, and then uh, just uh, had space in the day to get a second treadmill session on. So it's two, two treadmill sessions and an eight mile walk around lunch. That's awesome. Well, are you looking at your phone though and seeing your sister's progress as you're on the treadmill and you're like, gotta keep going? No. So we, we would declare our results at the end of each day. So you don't know where you're at until the end of the day. Okay. Um, so what I would wake up in the morning in general terms and there would be a message on my phone that is, here's her total that she's completed. And, and I, so I'm always playing catch up to her totals. And there'll be some days where she'd be crazy numbers and I'd be going, holy cow, how are you doing this? Yeah. This is just really demoralizing. And um, always playing catch up is, is brings its own set of challenges. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Sorry. My daughter is back in the house. <laughs> I think she'll find it though. She's looking for something. Um, yeah, man. Well, that's, I think that's really cool. And that's like, I wanted to act, actually ask you about this, um, especially right now where it, it can feel really isolated, you know, and you coming from a lot of like really team-based, uh, you know, parts of life, like I'm thinking of your rugby teams, business teams, stuff like that. 
And I was just curious, like, how are you building community? Is that something you're like focused on or are you finding community or is it something that's kind of like a difficult thing to form right now? And then you, you mentioned that about your sister though. I'm like, this challenge is like a really cool way to like build that community. Yeah. So, um, that's a really good question because for me, I, I use this much more as an opportunity to extract myself from all the challenges I was in right now in the COVID era and, and, and look at myself through a coaching lens and try and help myself emotionally and mentally through this, this, this troubled time and be a good support person for my sister. So I didn't really seek any um, community engagement beyond uh, posting achievements on LinkedIn yeah. and, and, and just using it as part of my profile management on LinkedIn and trying to you know, message to people out in the world that you, times are troubled, but if you, if you get out and do something positive, you're going to feel good. Yeah. And for my sister, just, just trying to promote her because I'm really proud of her. And um, she, she's done a lot of engagement on Facebook, uh, but beyond that, I was, yeah, I, it was a little bit selfish in the sense that I wanted to look after my own challenges and my own mental health and, uh, and, and just, just, um, just make sure I came out of it in good shape, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. How, so I guess let's talk about health for a second. Did you notice any changes, um, throughout the journey, like now being at the very end of the journey and I definitely want to get there, like what was today like, which is awesome. But have you noticed a lot of health changes along the way or, or anything like that? Yeah, very much so. Um, physically, just feel stronger and, and mentally, emotionally feel happier. Yeah. Um, just having energy to do things, a bit more clarity of focus. Uh, I, I remember in the last session talking about challenges. So I did notice I, I was overloading myself. So when I was reading that book on the British, the original British special forces in the desert, and um, I was like doing a lot of it with a backpack or a weighted backpack and going from off the sofa into 10 plus miles a day, that was actually going to have a detrimental effect. So I stripped it right back to just do your treadmill routine, spend a few weeks just doing your treadmill routine, don't do anything else uh, too aggressive or too extraneous if you don't need to just get your health right and build your strength naturally um so that was a smart move because i think that would have not been too clever over a few weeks i could just yeah. feel my hips and my back starting to get some then i uh, had a few people throw out a few things like there's a veterans challenge around do 25 push-ups a day for you know whatever it is 10 days and I struggled with that because it, it wasn't part of the remit and I just, just had to have a, a chat with myself why are you throwing things on top when you don't need to focus on this and so that was a really good lesson and then I got to a point where I started to feel better and then I started throwing in okay I need to start doing some push-ups and I started I started myself with the dip challenge doing yeah. I used to love doing dips as a strength ex building exercise so I challenged myself with one at a time and then over the last few weeks of, of every time I go on the treadmill I'll, I'll finish the routine and do anywhere between uh, nine and 20 something dips right now so that that's again going from zero to something in a few weeks it's when you look at it in percentage gains it's a lot but it, yeah I had to um just check my ego constantly check my ego not a competitive athlete this is a massive task don't do things whether you want to do them or not don't do things that are actually going to derail the project yeah yeah I, i'm relating right now because we're finally back at school so i have access to a, a weight room again and you know i've done a whole bunch of body weight stuff and kettlebell stuff at my house but I haven't had access to like the heavy weights, you know, and you have, I, I mean, I've had to intentionally be like, dude, don't do like do a way less than you think you should be doing because otherwise I'll jump in and I'll try to do weight that I could do, you know, 
eight years ago and it's never going to happen. You know, it's not going to happen if you just jump in and try to do that again. All you're going to do is hurt yourself. And I've done that so many times. It's a lesson that I've learned multiple, multiple times that hopefully this time I can actually like, you know, embrace the lesson and learn from it. Yeah, that's really important. And, and it's, yeah, and that's why I like body weight exercises because you generally tend to fail before you hurt yourself. Whereas weight bearing exercises, you can add more weight and hurt. Yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, so I want to hear about today. What was today like? Did you do anything special for the last day of the challenge, or just you know, eventually it becomes routine, it becomes habit? Did you just wake up and just get it done? So that's I didn't think it was the last day I, I wasn't <laughs> thinking it just suddenly it's here and I spoke to Hannah this morning because what we've we've set up a new challenge for the last uh, 10 days so it's basically a game where we roll a dice and the dice has specific values so one through six and whatever number you roll you have to do that many steps for the day so I just reached out to her and I said what's the dice roll for today I think it was 15,000 steps and and she said, you know, it's the last day we finished. <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot because I'm so into this routine now yeah. of get up at this time, complete this many, um, go out and do uh, get outside as well, take your work outside where you can. So I generally go out and get some coffee and just find a COVID safe space, grab some coffee, walk back. So the routine has overruled sort of the target objective. Yeah. So is, does that mean this just carries over like the momentum it's already going, you just carrying that momentum through, even though technically the challenge is over. Yeah. So yes. So I don't want to um, get rid of this new lifestyle. I enjoy it. It's been really good for me. Um, but what we've decided, cause we have so much fun with it that we're going to create our own little charity fundraising team. And probably two or three times a year, we're going to pick an event and do it and just continue on the, on a sort of a brother and sister fundraising program for causes that we find that we like. Yeah. And um, I like doing the endurance stuff. It's, it's, it, the sense of achievement is big. Um, and um, it's, as I said, it's a bit tougher for her. She's a single mum. But yeah, the, to your point, we're just going to keep going. Just uh, keep trucking along and see if uh, we can stay the course. But also, um, just on the fundraising side, we raised three times more than we expected, and which is... That's which is amazing, crazy. yeah. Yeah, and, and it just shows in times of need or times of trouble, people are still willing to help out. So we've, we've sort of got a bigger purpose, because I think if we just stay stay the course and keep trucking along that'll fade away by christmas so we're gonna keep our keep playing the dice game and then we're going to keep looking for events to do and uh, she did come up with walk across the u.s i said that's nuts as, as a single event that's completely nuts but we'll uh who knows what the next one will be do you yeah do you have any ideas well, I like the idea of walking. I just walking sends a strong message to people out there in the world that walking is one of the best forms of exercise. And if you make space in your day, you can walk and walk and walk at an hour or so in your day if you can and just walk. And it, it does wonders for your body. Um, so I'd like to stay on the walking theme, I, I, but I've got to check in with the uh, with Hannah. Uh, I, I so we, I, I quite like the idea of walking the world. We just walked the length of the UK. So let's try and do a virtual journey around the world in, in bits and pieces. That would take us a few years to complete. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine over in Israel said, uh, hey, there's this great trail in Israel. Maybe you can do that one next. So uh, I like the idea of doing virtual trails and just keeping with the theme. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that idea. Like it's the whole thing of, you start something just to do it. And maybe it starts as a challenge, but once it becomes your habit, once it becomes your routine, it doesn't matter that the challenge is over anymore. Like it, you just got to keep going with it. Yeah, absolutely. And we both have this sort of built in. We, we like to help other people. We like to do good by people. So 
and, and because we've been separated by geography for so many years, this is a nice way to bond as siblings yeah. and um, just have a, a joint, joint operation. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Where, did, where does she live? She lives in South London. Okay. In the UK. Yeah. yeah. So a bit, a bit separated, just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's, uh, and it's, it's just being away from family. I've been away from like my immediate family on the UK side for close on 20 years. And, and it does, it does, it always sits there in your subconscious that yeah. you're away and you have to consciously and physically make time to connect and, and be engaged. And, uh, I think this will be a fun way to stay connected with family. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Well, I do want to, Oh, I want to hear a little bit about, uh, we were talking a bit before we started recording, you did a rugby podcast, um, over the last year or how long had that been going on? So that was brand new. I started that just after Christmas, January. Yeah. And then it got, Basically, with all the rugby drying up with COVID, it stopped in March. Yeah, your podcast looked way fun because you guys would just be out somewhere in person, like having a beer. And I was like, oh, they got this podcast thing figured out. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a ton of fun. And I like doing the podcast, but I'll be honest, that was quite complex. Really? And, and yeah, we had a venue, and but you have to rely a lot on the tech guys, sound, audio. Oh, yeah. To, video to make it work and it was a little bit stressful i'd like to get back to that sort of professional podcasting one day but but for now i'm i'm quite happy to do what a lot of people are doing i've listened to a number of podcasts since you and i last spoke and and you know keep it on a low budget and a sustainable approach until something else shows itself yeah and i think that's so cool man like honestly just for me and my own selfishly personal growth doing the podcast. I mean, I get to sit down and talk to really interesting people with a lot of good knowledge, a lot of good ideas. And it's just this excuse once a week to have a really fun, interesting conversation. And I don't know, I've absolutely loved it. I've been doing it for four years now and definitely super low budget, super low key for me. Uh, I'm not great with technical stuff, <laughs> but, um, but it's been so worthwhile in my life. So yeah, I'm always like to everybody I know, I'm like, you guys should start podcasts. And then soon, yeah, soon everyone will be able to kind of have these cool conversations. So, um, so you mentioned possibly starting one about leadership and I'm really interested in hearing about that. Yeah, so I decided to switch gears. So I've, I've broadcast the first one Monday this week. So that's what, oh, really? Uh, two days ago, yeah. What? All right, man. I'm downloading it as it, soon as we're done. It's called Conquering Leadership. And it's essentially, and it came to me actually on this journey, is, is we, we, we look at so many things in the world, but we really look at what it takes to create good leaders, particularly around us there's people in leadership roles everywhere and also you look over outside of specific military colleges uh leadership is is rarely developed in in business it's more of a reactive process so you find someone who's good you promote them to a executive leadership or senior leadership role and then they're in a sink or swim situation so i decided to uh do a podcast around um people who are normal leaders in normal life, what was their journey yeah. and how did you get there and what are your lessons and, and see if over time we can distill the essence of leadership into a simple package for different people to understand. That's awesome. Well, the way I look at it is there, there are people in leadership roles, but that by no means makes them a good leader. Um, you know what I mean? And there's a difference, like a differentiation between the actual role and then someone who actually is a good leader, someone people want to listen to, someone that has those qualities of leadership that people look up to and respect. And, and yeah, like you're, <laughs> I mean, you're right. Like people get in these roles and then it's just like, you better be successful. You know, it's like we, we put, we promoted you now you better be successful, go. But they don't really teach them like how to actually become successful. Yeah. And there's a very human aspect 
that I've noticed over the years where people in leadership roles are human, but because they've now moved around the other side of the table, they're a leader, so they're no longer human. And you might have worked, and, and, and people seem to think, oh, you got the job over there, so now you're a subject matter expert. And yet they've been working together for years. They've been in the same chair for years. And, and just because they move around the table into a leadership role, psychologically, things happen in, in the people they've just left behind who, uh, well, you're in charge now, so you must know it all. And, and, it's, it, it's, it, and, and yet businesses, not all businesses, that's, that's a bit of a broad brush statement, but the time invested in developing your leadership is, whilst it, it feels expensive on the bottom line, I believe is a lot cheaper than trying to clean up the cost of bad leadership. Yeah. Yeah. What, what kind of qualities do you look for in a leader? I think my number one is integrity. Yeah. And um, I really struggle. And, and I've fought my own fight in, a le- in leadership roles around my own integrity. And um, the external pressures are intangible. So the higher up you go in this leadership pyramid, the, the more squeeze there is on you and the easier it is to uh, degrade your own value sets. Um, so I truly respect people who maintain integrity um, in a leadership role consistently. Yeah. Um, and and my, I think my second one is consistency of behavior. Just you, you, you can be the biggest um, dunderhead on the planet or you can be the, the biggest clown on the planet. But if you are consistent, people understand who you are. They pick up and, and, and they go, oh, yeah, that's just Joe or that's just Bob. But it's when you become erratic that you cause a lot of harm. And, yeah. and, and, you know, you're high today and low tomorrow and, and you have a massive uh, impact on the subconscious of those around you. Uh, and if you're not self-aware enough on impact, um, you, you can become a danger to shipping. So in that short sentence, you've got integrity, you've got consistency and we've got self-awareness. I think um, the other one, I think, is more of a skills competency as communications. Mm-hmm. work 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 daily on your communications yeah you gotta uh, you have to know how to communicate to your audience specifically you know like <clears throat> i'm just thinking as a teacher i have to know how to talk to seventh graders you know when you were a rugby coach you have to know how to talk to rugby players and yeah you have to know how to get your ideas across in ways that they're going to understand and that they're also going to like buy into because if they don't buy in, it's, you know, you're failing as a communicator in that sense too. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think one of the, your key roles in, as you get in this senior leadership role, one of the essence of communications is, is probably more important than the essence of doing too many people Micromanagement is an indicator of lack of trust. Um, the ability to delegate is, is, shows that you, you, you trust your community or your team and you can empower them to do things. Uh, but it's, I think the pressures are the things that stop people doing that. And there's no training out there that, or, or very little training that you see that enables people to understand what those pressures are going to be and how to manage them. And those can spill over into horrible ways. People are so obsessed with keeping their jobs that the, the pressure explodes in the home. So there, there's, there's, sadly, there's, there's articles out there right now about increases in domestic violence because people can't cope in the COVID world in their leadership roles. And there's, there's out there, um, one of the risks of business right now uh, is executive burnout. Yeah. Uh, now that's sad and I understand it's a true risk and also executive burnout can be linked to more delegation, poor empowerment, because if you can't let go of people and let them fly, then you've got to keep hold of all things. And, mm. um, and that, those, that bring in, brings its own stresses, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, integrity, self-awareness, communications and i can't remember what the other one was i just said i wrote it down consistency consistency yeah and and, what i do i just i have a notepad and i just write down like things that i'm like oh what a good idea (laughs) 
Well, I'll give you an example, a very real example. I, I was crossing the road this morning, just out on, on a walk. And, and I, what I found consistently in my time in the US is I speak English and so do you. But consistently over the time I've been here, I've, I've seen when I'm talking to people a frown on their face or, or I've said something and someone's interpreted it a completely different way to what I, my intent was. Now, the irony of that is not just that I'm in an English-speaking world most of the time, but over the last 20 years, I've learned six languages and I can still speak three languages quite well. And apparently I'm a mediocre communicator. <laughs> <laughs> like, give me an example. What's something you would say that someone would misinterpret? Um, so I was, here's an example. I was working in an environment and, and there's a lot of things going on in this this uh, particular part of the industry. And and with the working group I'm with, I said, look, things are sensitive right now out there. What we're working on is, is specific to this, this stakeholder group that we're working with. So just be sensitive about who you talk to, about what we're doing, about content, just sensitive to knowledge, IP, and, and content creation that we're doing. Because until we're ready to put something out in the public domain, um, we we don't want to misinform the community and equally we don't want to uh, have stuff going out that other people run away with uh, that's a half-formed product we haven't had a chance to make ready for for the public domain and um and everyone nods goes yeah that makes sense and then the next thing i hear is someone saying oh you've stopped your team talking to people in the, in our in our, in our stakeholder group about what you're doing and I said, no, I didn't. I just said, we're working on some sensitive you know, materials right now. And yeah. Until it's ready you know, to share, let, let's not cause confusion. Yeah. And, and that's a very simple example. And then back in the day, my governance role, um, yeah, I'd, I'd have a conversation with someone in the park. And they say, so what's going on with um, concussion policy? Or, or athlete welfare and I'd say well you, and I remember one conversation well here's a few things that are coming out around the corner uh, you need to be aware of it. it's probably worth getting ready for that now because we're going to have to implement some some protocols uh, that, that, that are federally required around player welfare mandatory reporting um, and are also good for the, the sport in terms of looking after players and they, the person goes oh yeah yeah that makes sense Right, fast forward two weeks, and I get people in the community coming back to me. So, well, so and so has been telling the community that Angus said this and Angus said that, and like Angus is is making demands of the community around mandating reporting, and and, and you know concussion awareness. I was going, don't even remember. <laughs> I haven't put anything out in the community. What's going on? And and it's. Um, and then I'd get people calling me like parents saying, you, you, you've told our club that we can't do X, Y, Z now. And I'd say, when, when did I have that conversation? I've, I haven't, I haven't spoken to anyone in your club, yeah. you know, yeah. or in your team. And, and the, I learned very, very fast that, um, and coming back to the leadership point is, is be very mindful of what you say and who you say it to. Um, and, and because the, the, the byproduct of that for example, I'd end up in a space where I wanted to be, I was enjoyable space and I'd speak to a member of the public and they'd ask me a question because they knew of my governance role. And I, my response would be a policy statement because I was, I was absolutely terrified of speaking to people because of how they, they could misinterpret what I meant. And I remember thinking these people were like, for example, and I'm using this anecdotally, they say, oh, do you know what the weather's going to be like on the weekend? And, and they'd get like a seven-day forecast with a mitigation on, <laughs> with a mitigation statement attached, attached because I was just so scared of how they'd interpret <laughs> everything I'd say. And I remember going back to my board once and saying, number one, I'm a foreigner, and, and I don't mean that in a, in a sense other than I know I use English. I've discovered that I've used English that people don't necessarily understand. And I, I've discovered that maybe I don't fully comprehend 
um, American English and its nuances compared to English English. So let's get a community officer who speaks the language of the community. Yeah. Now they just stared at me. I don't trust me on this, but that, that we did it and it worked. Because <laughs> the community officer, she used to laugh. She said, yeah, well, I said, you just need to interpret me for the community. And that was half of their job. I love that. It's almost like, almost like good cop, bad cop, where you're like, all right, I'm going to say something. And then you make this sound in a way that's better, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it, it was even more nuanced than that because I, and coming back to self-awareness, I talked to people and I'd say, people I'd say, you've got no idea what I'm talking about. And, they just go, and she would go, like, I need to get in your head. I need to understand your, I, and she was a psychologist professionally. And she said, what I need to do is unlock what's in your head and I'll just repackage the language that, and sometimes I'd read how she'd repackage statements or conversations or, or intent. And I'd go, are you sure? That looks, that is no way I would say that. And she said, you just got to trust me on this. I know my community. I'm a mum. I know how parents speak. I know, I know the language of the community and you know what? It worked. Yeah. That's and, and I think that's, that's a massive leadership lesson I'd give to anyone who'd be willing to listen. Yeah. Well, so when you think back to your like formative years, um, you know, maybe like when you were younger and, and things like that, was there any specific leaders that you really looked up to and you really respected? Yes. And there was a lot actually. And I look back over my journey and I remember the ones that impacted me in a positive way. Uh, I was... 22 and I worked in an advertising agency in London and at the time they were one of the top two advertising agencies in the country and when I went in and, and I didn't really want to be in advertising I was starting out on a journey and, and I didn't really understand where I wanted to be in the world and I just said to a friend all I need I need a job to pay my bills the UK had been in recession and I got a job in the post room uh, and that was great for me because I'd like be up and down all the floors, meeting all the yeah. people. And I was happy to hand out packages and mail to them. But to get into that role, you know, I had a five-minute interview with the CEO of the company. And they said, oh, we just got to get this ticked off by the CEO. He's a guy called Michael Bork. And, and I remember it's like a five, ten-minute conversation, and I was so enthralled by this man. I just stared at him, and he, and he looked at me, and he said, what? where do you want to go in advertising? And I said, well, to be honest, sir, I don't want a job in advertising. I, I just need to pay my bills because of the recession. And, and, and I don't mean to be rude about your industry, but I just want to be honest with you because this is an industry I don't understand. And I said, equally, I, I, I do a day's work. I work really hard. And, um, you know, if I do stay, then that would be a bonus to, I think, both you and me. But right now, I, I just don't know what my future looks like. And he signed off on giving me the job. Now, I left there. I was there two or three years before I went into the military. And when I um, was leaving, he arranged for me to go and have an exit interview with him. And, and this guy never had to remember me. He had yeah. no, this is a multi-million. These guys are churning 100 million dollars plus of advertising revenue a year they're on the, all they're broadcasting in all the main tv channels they have big accounts like volvo and guinness and and he he just called me up and he sent his secretary his pa executive assistant whatever you call them these days um out to a bookstore down in central london and he bought me a copy of nelson mandela's uh, autobiography a, a long walk to freedom and he signed it and I went in there and he said, Angus, I can see you're on a journey and I just want to wish you well on your journey. And that just blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. That simple act of kindness. There was no retribution. There was no recrimination about not being in advertising. He just said, I remember you and um, I can see you. You're destined for another space in the world. And I just want to wish you luck. And, and, and I just think this book's really appropriate for you. And, and I just went, wow. Well, Absolutely. And I think about that, man. Every time I've been in a challenging environment, I think about that. Man. That's amazing. I, I mean, the word that came to my mind when we we're talking about leadership qualities that I look up to uh, 
is humbleness. And I just feel like that story, I mean, obviously as a leader, you have to be able to be there, make decisions, confident, things like that. But there is something about being humble as well. And it doesn't matter if you're in the post room or it doesn't matter if you're the vice president, like people need to, like the leader needs to make sure he's handing out that equal, you know, that equal respect to everybody that he's leading, you know, or she's leading. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's small things like that go a long, long way. So that would have, that's more than 20, nearly 30 years ago. Yeah. So this guy's going to be well retired now. And, and, and I think the impact of positive leadership is, is, is long-term, you know, it transition it's transitioned my whole career. Every time I've been in a bad space or a challenge, he's one of the people I've thought about, thought back to how powerful is that. And, and I've used that behavior in different cultures. You know, when there's people with families, kids around, I, I will always say hi. I'll always speak to them. I'll always try and listen and answer questions. And I'll, I'll think about, you know, helping people. How can I help you on your journey? I think about it. And sometimes you don't, you don't achieve it. Sometimes situation and context doesn't enable you to to deliver on that but it it, it stayed with me forever and it's, it's a he is a binding visual example of how i want to be as a leader yeah that's amazing <laughs> one just the idea of like how do i help people along their journey you might not be making a 30-year impact or anything like that but if you're helpful within that moment that's going to have reverberations as well you know sorry excuse me yes absolutely and and you know he's a big one and there's a few others in there who have all been in the civilian world who taught me something that said angus this will make your life easier or angus learn this set of skills or angus here's something to carry with you and it's things like you know that was humility sense of humor holy cow um the royal marines have an ethos which is one of five i think but one of them that stays with me is humor in the face of adversity yeah and absolutely have a sense of humor. Um, there's one guy, a fellow out there called Guy Middleton, who's a chartered surveyor who I worked for for four or five years. And he just basically taught me project math. And, you know, I could crunch through things. He said, I'm going to show you a few tricks on how to manage projects mathematically. And those are tools and knowledge that I still use today. And um, so that you can you can take away something from, everyone whether it's a characteristic or a skill and you can you know, package it into your own brand of leadership um, yeah and, i uh, i love yeah. the idea of like the like for me like face-to-face interactions with actual people that's when i'm learning the most lessons because like you said you're picking up on things not just what they're saying not just what they're writing down you're picking up on how they are like they're being you know what i mean um but that being said like there was a while there where I was reading way too many leadership books. (laughs) Um, And I think the thing that I realized is like, I'm getting all of these lessons, but they're going in one ear and out, out the other. Like, what if I just have one leadership book a year that I really try to like, not only read it, but actually like apply those things, those lessons to my life, you know? Um, Do you have any like recommendations or anything like that? No, because I've been through the same challenge. So here's, here's the thing. Uh, I'm saying no immediately. Something might pop up in my head. But here's, here's the thing. That there's so many flavors of soup out there. It's become a real tough, um, tough um, choice. Which one do I drink? And, and I, I did what you did. And I read a bunch. And so... I found it very difficult from all these books to to distill, um, to distill you know, how to be. So I, I think you have to sort of look for some commonality. Yeah. So um, on my my first conquering leadership podcast, the guest is is a lady by the name of Sue, who's you know in um, e-commerce manages millions of dollar budgets, and that's her leadership idols are not mine and vice versa. It's very, very personal. So we get blasted with all these choices and 
I I found I can't get through a leadership book. Yeah. Because it, it's a lot of them to me are about for me to be good, I have to become you, but you don't know what my environment is. So what I try to do to make a choice is look at something that's an interesting read and then try and understand what challenges that they've overcome. Um, but I, I, and then if, if there's something, I always read the back. If there's something on the back that makes me think um, this person's got something to offer, then I'll buy the book and dig deeper. Um, yeah. And I, I was recommended a book for a company I wanted to work with. And I really loved what they were doing and I loved what they were trying to achieve right up until the time they said, but we strongly recommend you buy the CEO's book on leadership because blah, blah, blah. And you know what? That switched me off completely. Yeah. Completely. And I'm done. It seems because, inauthentic uh, to be like, Hey, but you have to buy this and follow our, you know, it, and it's almost like, almost like a dis, not disrespect, but like, they want you to become a certain way and yet you are you. And that's like your gift to the world is you being an individual and for you to work your best, you have to actually embrace those qualities that you bring to the table. Yeah. And, and, and that's a really good you know, bunch of observations because your world and my world are different. And whilst we're growing up on the same planet, your world's packaged in a different way to mine. So in my leadership role, I've got to enable you to thrive because you're going to take my organization forward. I'm yeah. sort of holding the rudder right now. You're going to take the organization forward. And therefore, I have to create the culture, enable you to, to spread your wings. And one of the theories I'm looking at right now, I have a lot of half-baked theories that I'd like to sort of articulate and see what they sound like when they come out. And then I decide whether or not to continue down that path. So one of the things I was in this, in my idea of half-baked theories is if I have to become a replica of you to lead my organization today, you cut your teeth in last decade, the decade before, and we're in a communications age and an IT age, things move so fast that by asking me to be like you, you're actually shooting your own organization in the foot. Because for you to, when you created your organization and became successful, you had to break the mold somewhere to drive your company into the space it is today. And why would you not turn around and allow that liberty to the people coming up behind you? Yeah, yeah. Can I make a rugby analogy here? Yeah, please do. <laughs> um, we had this play when I was uh, at University of Iowa and I was inside center. My man, Sugar Ray, was outside center. Uh, he was the best. He was like a, the high energy, like golden retriever. Like I never saw that guy tired, I swear. In any game, it didn't matter how hard. And we had this play where the fly half would throw me the ball. I would just run up and put the ball on my back hip. You, there's probably a name for this. You're like a rugby, like, <laughs> you know, lifetime rugby guy. But I put the ball on my, on my back hip. And then Sugar Ray would link on to the ball and both of us would just drive forward. And essentially we were sacrificing me. I was basically like, I'm going down because I would take the brunt of the hit, you know, as they came up and tackled me and then Sugar Ray would have the ball and then he'd spin off and then get going. And I, that was my favorite play. It was my favorite play. And I'm like, I know this is the play where I'm not going to be the hero of this play. You know what I mean? I'm like the guy running with it, getting smacked and then handing it to someone else. But I loved that. I love that idea because that really is like the essence of teamwork, essentially. And what you just said reminded me of it because I'm like, yeah, you bring someone in. You, if, you're, if I'm a leader and I'm bringing someone in, I want them to become the star. I want them to become the person that is going to take us to greater heights. And I think that's really cool. Do you know, yeah, I, yes, and I'm going to do a yes and on that. And it's funny because I was, I was discussing coaching philosophies with a friend of mine, uh, actually probably just last week or, or even the week before. And he asked me to listen to a podcast and, and you know, the common phraseology is take one for the team. And that's perceived <laughs> to be um, a good thing to do. And 
And I was talking him through that, and I said, well, for, and it's identical to, it's, it was a very similar situation to what you just articulated. To, in the eyes of where we are culturally today, what you're doing is a good thing. You're taking one for the team. Now, uh, what, where I stretch that you're thinking, I'd like to challenge that, is at what point is, is that a high-cost exercise? So if you look at that in the terms, because sometimes those behaviours transition into organisational development. So, and, it, and, and I start looking, I look at that today as, a, as a, well, you're making a sacrifice. Yeah. Now, is that a sacrifice or is that a value-add decision for the team? And I think we have to, to look at parameters around those actions. Because if you look at, um, um, I, I come back to look at, I looked at that in an extreme military sense. So if you look at the soldier who throws themselves on an explosive device, they're taking one for the team. But that's it. They're done. That's, that's the only time you sacrifice. take that one for the team yeah yeah and it's it's a very very high cost now if you look at a game of rugby you know you, you might do that once or twice in a game have a good outcome but ultimately you're using your body as a shield for someone else to to deliver an outcome and, and get some glory very humble yeah at what point does that become uh, a cost exercise versus a value exercise because if you're taking yourself out of the game um, to take one for the team and then you, you're sitting on the bench because the, then the team's lost a functional player who's actually high value and yeah. we have to replace that that person with a, a lower value operator if you like um, so and I, I've I call myself a thought disruptor. Sometimes <laughs> someone throws out an analogy like that. I like to disrupt their thinking. I'll tell you when, when that becomes a problem is if the dude that's tackling you is like 300 pounds and like a brick wall. I've been hit many, many times. And I tell you, it still hurts. At the time where someone hitting you doesn't hurt and doesn't cause you a bit of trepidation, you're probably doing it and go and take yourself away for a sanity check. Oh, yeah. I remember I lowered my shoulder. I was like, we were playing a men's team. We are in college. We are playing a men's team. There's a difference in yep. level, you know. Yeah. And this giant dude's on the sideline, and I have no move. I'm like, I can't, I can't pass it. I can't try to juke him because I'm right on the sideline. So I'm like, I'm just going to lower my shoulder and see what happens. And it was like hitting a brick wall. Like, I've yeah. never hit a brick wall before. But it's what it has to be what it feels like. That was, a, that was one of those bucket of cold water over the head moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so let just real quick to kind of wrap up the Conquering Leadership pod. Is it called Conquering Leadership Podcast or just Conquering Leadership? So if you go on to Podbean, so I only broadcast through Podbean uh, right now, and it's called Black Dragon Podcasts. Okay. And it's concurrently. So under Black Dragon Podcasts, you'll find some of the other rugby and other leadership things, uh, programs I've produced. And then the Conquering Leadership one should be top of the food chain right okay. now. Sweet, man. And well, uh, the premise is, good, yeah, are you, are you interviewing people like this or, or sharing your ideas or is it like a mixture of both? So it's a, it's a Socratic discussion like we have. Uh, but I try and make them the hero of the journey. I try not to give too many of my ideas or opinions. Uh, so what I do is um, give them a sort of a guideline on things to think about, which helps them, but they're, they're the heroes. And the, the, the whole point is to try and get the community, help the community understand what is effective leadership and, and what works in your normal everyday environment and, and what might be some of the challenges you face. So Sue is great. She's, as I said, she's a facilities director in an e-commerce space <clears throat> i've got um coming up i've got an hr director um for a big conglomerate um i've got a special forces lieutenant lieutenant colonel sorry coming up um i've got uh, the academy director for manchester city soccer schools uh so i've got some good people in some different um industries coming up in the next three or four and uh probably do um maybe trying to do five or six up to Christmas. And then at Christmas, I'll review uh, the new year and see if I continue the program or change tack again. Yeah, sweet, man. I love it. I love the idea of getting leaders from all different walks of life and then trying to find the like main concepts that drives them all. 
Yeah, so thank you. And they come from different, yeah, different business environments and different countries. Yeah. And obviously different genders. So because there's, you know, I think leadership's like pain and pleasure. It's very, very personal. And yeah. uh, hopefully we can uh, make it of use to our community. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, man. Well, Angus, thank you, man. I will do a fourth episode at some point for sure. 100% yeah. definitely in on that. So, Well, yeah. I'll, I'll let you know as soon as we've decided what our next endeavor is going to be. And um, Oh, I have ideas for you, my friend. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, email, email me a few ideas. When, when, okay. Once you've settled down, yeah. email me some of your ideas because I'd love to see them. And um, if you remember right back to our very first podcast when we were talking about the Gobi March yeah. and you said, do you ever want to stop? And I said, no, it doesn't ever go away. Yeah. And now this time I'm sitting here talking to you going, yeah, I want to do more of this. I enjoyed this so much. It's been so good on a physical, mental and emotional and spiritual level yeah. that I, I don't want to stop. I don't want to let go of this again. So <laughs> we're back to the, the drug. Oh yeah, man. I got evil ideas for sure. <laughs> well, that's true. And, um, we, we will, um, um, I'll explore them and see which ones we can get going. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, man. Well, we'll get back to at you at some point. Love it. Thanks right. Chris. Take yep. care. Be safe. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up this week's show. Uh, once again, just huge thanks to Angus for coming back on. Um, I'm going to put the links to his new podcast, Conquering Leadership, in the show notes. So uh, make sure you guys go on. Make sure you check that out. Uh, he's a wonderful dude. I hope you've enjoyed the three conversations I've had with him as much as I have. Honestly, he in each episode, he'll say something uh, bring up a concept that really sticks with me and become something that I try to work on in my own life. And obviously, you know, I think for most of us, we all have leadership positions in some form or fashion in our lives, right? Like I'm thinking I'm obvious, like I'm a teacher. That's an obvious leadership position for the students that I have. Uh, I'm a dad at home. That's a leadership position for my kids you know um and sometimes without even you know truly considering that people are looking up to you people are looking up to you and i think the way you show up every single day the way you take on the day the way you talk to people the way you treat people the way you make people feel those are the qualities that are huge those are the qualities that people really um, deep down understand about any leadership position anywhere right and you and also in our lives obviously we have people all around us who are leaders so I just want you this week to think about who are the people you've looked up to throughout your life in some sort of leadership role and really try to determine what was it about that person that I truly respected what was it about that person that made me want to listen to their message or made me want to accomplish the goal. Um, for me as a young person, it, a lot of times it was coaches like athletic coaches. You look to them in these roles and you try to determine, okay, here are the qualities about this coach that I enjoyed. Here are some of the qualities that I didn't appreciate. And you can learn from everybody, even the people that you see as, bad leaders you can learn lessons from them as well um, one of the things that has been said on this podcast a long long time ago that i will never forget it's something i have written in my classroom now is just be a sponge learn from everything around you everyone around you you have this opportunity to really observe take in learn lessons if you're present right if you're actually in the moment you can learn lessons from pretty much anybody but the choice is yours because the other choice is you can also totally just zone out and not or not think deeply about how a leader is acting or something like that and you can just zone out and and not learn anything at all so um all right that kind of wraps it this week i hope you guys had a good week i know there's things out there that are very stressful obviously 
talking about leadership, uh, the election happened this week. Um, and I know that is incredibly stressful, uh, especially as we're talking about leaders and qualities we look up to and qualities that are just not good. And I guess I'll just leave you with this. Uh, at the end of the day, good leadership, in my opinion, boils down to being able to take a group of people, make them cohesive, and working towards something. Uh, an absolute terrible leader is somebody who is actively trying to divide the people that they're leading. Um, I want you to just imagine this. If you're like a football player, maybe this will speak to you. Could you imagine an offensive coordinator, someone who's coaching the offense, who is actively trying to turn the receivers against the linemen, right? <laughs> it would be pure chaos. Uh, you wouldn't get anything done. You would just argue the whole time and you would be defeated in every sense, in every form. And so a good leader is a person who takes people in different roles and uses them to help move move people along right help us work towards something that we're trying to accomplish and yeah that's all i'm gonna say about that uh <laughs> um all right guys that wraps up the show this week we will be back next week we have the story of taylor ross and his fastest known time across the state of iowa all right talk to you then <laughs>